104.7 Adelaide's Triple M. It's the real football show here on a Saturday morning with Albie Kidd. Albie, you must be absolutely ecstatic. I can see how excited you are about this next guest we've got. Absolutely stoked to get David on the David Moyes on the on the program. An absolute legend in his own right. His managerial career uh, that he's done very very well as a player. We could maybe ask him how good a player he was. Centre <laughs> right. half. Let's get him on, shall we? David <laughs> yeah. Moyes, good morning. Good morning. This is going to be great. Sitting back, listening to two Scotsmen go at it with each other. Fantastic. It's not bad. That's, that's okay. <laughs> is it? You've not lost that Scottish accent, by the way. No, no, you haven't either, to be fair, you know. So, good, you don't want to do that. Now, David, can I ask, do you, now, Albie, do you two remember, when did you first meet David Moyes? When, do you remember the time where it was and how it happened? Yeah, look, I think David's career started at 81 at Celtic and um, he was there of memory to 83. Yeah. Uh, so that's my era, 81 to 87, and uh, we would have played against each other, no doubt. Now, David, I'd need to ask you a very, very serious question first up, because I, I hear about Albie's career every week. We have a bit, we have a pint after the show. I hear about his goals and about everything. How good was he? Well, I remember Albert very much from his, his early days. I was a young boy, and uh, I'd, I joined Celtic young and uh, came through the ranks there, really. And I remember Albert from, from Dundee. And uh, he was always well known. He was always a tough player in those days as well. That's what I remember from Albert yeah. at that time as well. So, uh, but in that time in Scotland, you had to be tough to survive as much as anything. You know, you had to have another part of you as well. But yeah. uh, at that time, Scotland had a host of really good players. And if you look through the, the Scottish Premier League at that time, and even the Scottish national team, they had they had terrific players. Scotland, they really did. Going on what he's told me though, each week he must have scored three thousand goals because <laughs> there's that many stories. <laughs> Hey, hey, we've always got to make the most of it. As we, we don't get enough credit, that's what it is. You played with some great players, though, David, at Celtic at that time. Charlie mm-hmm. Nicholas, uh, Paul McStay. Yeah. Name a few of the yeah. players, David, that you, you played with. Uh, well, uh, with, without doubt, the best the best player I ever played with was Danny McGrain, who was uh, you know, Scotland's right back, as you know, for years. Yeah. And, uh, Celtic's right back and captain. Danny McGrain was probably the best player I've ever played with. He was just a top player. But at that time, Celtic were a, were a tremendous team. Celtic were, were winning things all the time. But you mentioned like Charlie Nicholas, you know. But Tommy Burns was another great player. Oh, who, yeah. You know, as oh, everybody yeah. knew, uh, died. But I know Paul's out in Australia now. And, and Paul was Paul was, was as well was an exceptional player. Paul was, and myself, were a, Paul was a year younger than me. And uh, we sort of grew up a little bit at that year. But, but Paul went on, to be a, went on to be a great player and, uh, you know, Great play for Celtic and a great play for Scotland as well. So I was really fortunate. My early development was was in amongst real winners, really good footballers, and I've got no doubt my early career sort of shaped my later career as far as uh, you know getting into management because Celtic were a club which expected to win, didn't ex- didn't see anything else, and uh, in the main run at that time we were there, that was the case. We tended to win most things. But looking at your track history, you know you, you've done well with Everton's bringing them out. Uh, the doldrums, if you like, and uh, and getting them pushing them up up the league there. So, what's your what's your your short term plan and your medium to long term plan for uh, Sunderland? Well, when I took the Sunderland job, I was totally aware of the situation, and and uh, and in many ways, it reminded me of when I did take over at Everton. When I took over at Everton, we were Everton were just a club which was avoiding relegation, uh, just outside the bottom three most years. And it took me took me quite a while, but I've got to say, over over my eleven years managing at Everton, we we tended to finish in the top. I think in the last eight years we were never out the top eight or top seven in the last eight years. And I think probably one of the biggest achievements with the last two years was to finish above Liverpool, which is you know a city where the two teams are in. Uh, to finish above Liverpool, who had a far greater spending power than we did, was was a was a big achievement. 
So I see a similar a similar thing here in Sunderland. There's a similar project. It's uh, if people who don't know it in Australia, it's a very good club. It's in the northeast of England. Uh, sometimes people see that as uh, not an attractive part of the world, but in truth, uh, it's a beautiful part of the world. And uh, the biggest thing we have to do is try and get a team away from the bottom of the league, uh, so that we can start to attract better players in the future. We know about the real big clubs over there, obviously Man United, Liverpool, you mentioned Chelsea and Arsenal, but what, what are your fans like? What, how would you describe Sunderland fans? Are they, are they very demanding? No, I think the, the, I think for what they've had to put up with, you have to remember this is a club which bobbed along the bottom for four or five years itself now, just avoiding relegation season yep. by season. So I, I think they're, they're, they're very good supporters. I mean, they, we've got over 40,000 at every game, which is incredible uh, uh, for up here, so I've got to say, you know, they, they're really loyal. I mean, the, the support we travel take away with us is incredible. We sell out at every ground we go to, so it's a really passionate part of the country, and it's a, it's a club which is steeped in an awful lot of football history. If you look at it and you look back into it, uh, it's the great players play through its club in the time, and uh, you know what we're trying to do is resurrect it a little bit. I've got to say, it's tough. But, uh, but that's the idea. Yep. I guess, Stevie, we've all been in relegation trouble at, at um, you know, as players and whatnot. Is, is the plan to grind out results now? You've got some big games coming up. Arsenal's one of them just uh, around the corner there. Is, is the plan, David, to grind out a result, maybe a nil-nil result to get the confidence in the squad? Yeah, well, I think there's a bit of that. We, I mean, I think every point you get, obviously, confidence. We, had, we played West Ham there just on Saturday and we get to... You know, 93 and a half minutes and, you know, we can see the goal uh, when the refs are about to bow for time, you know, full time. So that would have been a good point at West Ham. But I've got to say, we had, we'd done all okay game, we didn't, we're right to take a point away from the game. So we've got to do that. We've got to find ways of, of picking up points on the road. But ultimately, we're going to have to win games if we're going to stay up. So, you know, we're not daft about that. But yeah, the answer to that is, yeah, we need to grind out games. But I do want to try and build something for the longer term as well. I'd like to... Uh, make sure to stay up in the short term. But I think what's happened at this club, it's always been sort of firefighting. And, and now I think that what we need to do is, is actually look at it with a, a longer-term view. David, can I ask you a real broad question? You've been right in the pressure cooker before. You've obviously, with Everton, you've had the big derbies against Liverpool. You've been at Man United, mm. a, one of the great clubs in the world. How, how, do you, how do you put up with the week-in, week-out pressure? Because these days in the Premier League, I mean, every single side is tough, isn't it? There are no easy games, and, and you're really under the pump every week. How do you get away? What do you do away from the game? Well, I will say that, you know, if you go into football management, you have to, you know, I've now got a saying, is everybody has to take their poison. So it just depends what level of poison you have to take. Uh, but let me tell you, you know, whether you're the top of the Premier League or whether you're the bottom of the Premier League, you're scrutinised in the same way. And uh, every person is under under a great deal of pressure to, to win games. That's the way the business is. And I think now, sadly, it's the way football's changed. You know, I, I look back at myself doing uh, 11 and a half years at Everton. I think of people like Sir Bobby Robson. I think he done something like 13 years at Ipswich. Uh, uh, Brian Clough done, I think, 14 years at, at Notts Forest. You look at Sir Alex, even look at Arsene Wenger. So I think if you look through history, a lot of the real top managers uh, have had long periods at clubs where they've been given that time to, to get things right. And you know, most of those managers have had to go through difficult periods as well. Yep. So yep. It, the game's changed itself now. So there is a great deal of pressure. But for me, it's more about... I love football. I'm actually, I'm actually, uh, I'm a football supporter. If I'm, if I'm not sort of managing it, I'm watching games or I'm, or I'm, you know, being around it. I've, I do quite a lot with UF over here, and 
and uh, I've done quite a lot in the summer speaking to all the, the pro licensed coaches uh, in a lot of the country so I enjoy football always have done and uh, I hope that's the way it remains. Davey, so, uh, me personally, I was delighted when you were appointed at Man U. But you can obviously had a few issues there. Can you tell us some of the challenges that you were that you encountered at uh, Man U? Well, what, what I would say is, I say is at Manchester United that I I went there with understanding that I was joining a, a great great football club, which I did do. And I've got to say that uh, you know the the people, the supporters were all terrific. Uh, but I signed a six year contract and I was there ten months. Jeez. So. I think that's that's where the, the disappointment is, and uh, and I think Manchester United stood for so much in in British football. They you know they they always gave their managers a chance. They they promoted through the academy. They'd done all the things we we all sort of admired in in football. So I was disappointed when I didn't get my get my time to to see it out. Uh, and as everybody can see, you know it's it's a tough job for whatever manager you are. Uh, Manchester United is is a is a is a great club and uh, I brought them to Australia actually near enough right away when I got the job and and uh, I know that over in Australia there's a massive Manchester United support over there as well. Yeah, huge. Can we ask you about Timmy Cahill, one of our absolute favourites, obviously, or maybe our best ever export in, in the game to go to the UK and play. Uh, he's come back here now, he's in the A-League and he scored a cracking goal in the first week, but how did you rate him as a player? How did you go with Tim? Who? I don't know who he is. Is that, is that a new player or is it someone who's just been... Don't know. Never heard of him. <laughs> uh, now, let me tell you, Tim, Tim, was a, Tim was a star from the first day we brought him, really. Uh, I hope he doesn't hear this because he might start believing it, but he probably doesn't believe it anyway. So, uh, But no, Tim was, was brilliant. He's... I remember we, I went with the chairman, Bill Kenwright, and I said, come on, uh, Bill, I'd like to take you to Millwall. Uh, there's a couple of players at Millwall, and actually Lucas Neal was at Millwall as well, and they had uh, uh, a boy, Reid, did. Millwall had a good team because I had been playing against them a little bit at Preston North End, where I managed before. And I went in, and uh, anyway, it was it was bedlam. It was actually Millwall, Birmingham, and if anybody knows from over Australia, that's a bit of a that's a, a real rough <laughs> ride as far as supporters go. Yeah, so we uh, we went and watched, saw Tim, uh, which I had known about him, and I said you should see him. So we we got him in, and and you know Bill Kenwright fell in love with Tim Cahill right away because of his attitude, because of his personality, and uh, and I fell in love with Tim because of his performance and his his toughness and his ruggedness and uh, and his ability to to sort of take on information and, and really, you know, he was a winner, Tim. And uh, I watched his goal the other day. I was going to ask you that. I was really going to ask you that, Davey, with, with great interest. Uh, we sat and watched his goal and uh, Tim, if, if he's listening, was Jimmy Lumsden, who's worked with me for a long time. We sat and watched and we said, that must be Tim's brother who scored that goal because he can't, he can't score from there. Or if it was, we thought it would have been with his head, maybe from there, but... Uh, but I've got to say it was a great goal we scored, and uh, but it doesn't surprise me. And the point I was going to make, Tim, Tim tended to score in the big games. He scored for for Everton against Liverpool in the big games. He was always a threat to Liverpool, and I think it's always a sign of a, a top player that you know when the big games really matter that that they come up to the the mark. And and, uh, and Tim done that. And I've got to say he was he's a great boy to work with, and I'm delighted he's continuing a, a long career that he's had. Well, can I just quickly say, David, you know, uh, in, in games last week, we had 63,000 people to one game and 45,000 to another. 
And I don't know if you know much about the history here of the great game, but, you know, those crowds are unheard of for us. And this is the way the game's mm-hmm. building. But I actually think a lot of those people went along to see Tim Cahill last week. There's no doubt about yeah. it. So he's doing a great thing for yeah. our league. And, and our crowds yeah. are great. And, you know, last year Liverpool came here. We had 95,000 mm-hmm. people Incredible. in Melbourne watching them, which, yeah. as I said, you know, 15, 20 years ago, we, we would get five, six, or maybe 8,000 people yeah. to a game. So Tim Cahill's yeah. a big part of that, and it's, it's going well. Yeah. Debbie, you've... you've no, uh, I think, sorry, go on. So I was just going to say, no, I think he's been a great ambassador for for uh, football in Australia. And uh, I know he's back home, and I met him in China maybe about a year or so ago, and uh, we spoke a few times on the phone. So he's a great ambassador, and I think that uh, you know he's someone who I've got no doubt will have a long-term future uh, in and around Australian football in, in years to come. Davey, you've coached and managed at the top there. The transfer market. How hard is it to find the right player at the right cost? Well, it's become much more difficult because of because of the price now. Uh, you know, there's there's really no limits to what can be asked, and obviously the money which uh, in the Premier League now is is uh, you know extraordinary. Really, that they just don't level of money that is there. So, so really, uh, it is very difficult. And uh, even at the top, you know, it was difficult buying players, whether you're at Manchester United or Everton or whether you're at Sunderland. There is that difficulty. But obviously, you'll live or die with, by your recruitment if you're a manager. And I think at Everton, we had an incredible uh, level of, of getting players in. The, the players we brought in for the right prices. We didn't have great great levels of money. And we were able to build a team up over time. I think what we've got now with the with the level of media scrutiny is that everybody wants something done right away. And they want, they want the team to be playing well tomorrow. And uh, in truth, that, that just doesn't happen. There's a big talking point here with Man United players, Davy uh, Paul Pogda, uh, eighty-nine million pounds for a five-year contract. You know, he's not like the word has. It's probably difficult for you to comment on this, but you know, he's not producing uh, in our our opinion across here. Well, I, I think that it takes time to settle for any player at any club, and I think that uh, I think you've got to give Paul Pogba time to settle as well. He knows the club. I would say that he's been there before. Mm. But I just think then when you're at Manchester United, uh, you know, every result, like it happened with myself, is is uh, watched very closely, and uh, every player you bring to the club is is looked at because the the standard of players that that club's had has been exceptional over the years. David, thank you so much for your time. We know you have to head out onto the training track. Good luck with Sunderland in the weeks to come, and we just appreciate you talking to us so much. And uh, there'll be many, many thousands of fans here in Australia just so happy to hear you on Australian radio. Thank you so much. Thanks. Pass on my best to everybody out there, and uh, I will, Debbie. Yeah, for sure. See you soon. Good luck to Sunderland in the weeks to come. Thank you.